0: The Lord reigns, he is my king.
1: to our guests, thank you for being here as well. we got some more folks coming in as we begin our worship time this morning. We're glad to have you here. Glad to have you worship with us today. Thank you to those of you joining us online as well. Thank you for being a part of our worship this morning. We're glad to have you join us. As you uh, came in the door today, hopefully somebody handed you one of our bulletins, and if you didn't get one of these uh, when you walked in the door this morning, we'll have extras in the lobby when worship is over with. Make sure you pick one up. we got a lot of things going on with the Flagstone family. And if you look on the inside, There's several different things listed there that we want you to know about, want you to be a part of, want you to be inviting other people to be a part of as well. So uh, make sure that that you pick one of these up. Now, if you're a guest with us today, we especially want to draw your attention to this QR code that's here in the uh, top right-hand corner. And if if this is your first time with us, or maybe you've been with us a couple of times and just haven't done this yet, we'd like for all of our guests to click on that QR code, and that will bring up a forum on your phone where you can share some contact information with us, let us know who you are, a little bit about yourself, uh, and also give you the opportunity to maybe ask about uh, some things going on with our church family, some things that you might be able to get involved in or or just want to know more about. Uh, So if you would, do that right now, and and just know ahead of time, we're not going to be banging on your doors all the time or, or bombarding you with messages and texts and things like that, but we'll probably send a note to you, say thank you for being here, being part of our worship, let me answer some questions for you. So do that right now if you haven't done that already, we would appreciate your help with that. Uh, We will be taking communion together as part of our worship time today, and when that time comes, uh, we'll have some thoughts and a prayer for the bread, and we'll pass out trays, and in each one of the trays are a whole bunch of uh, individual little cups, and in each cup is a piece of bread, and so we just need you to, you know, take a uh, cup, eat the bread, put it back in the tray, pass the tray on to the next person, and we'll do the same thing when we pass out the juice as well, and that's how we'll take communion together this morning. So if you're guests with us especially, uh, we wanted you to know that today. We do have um, child care available today as well. If you got your kids with you, we're so glad, we're honored that you uh, wanted to bring them with you to worship with us today. Uh, but for our kids, second grade and younger, anytime during our worship time today that you want to take them over to our children's center, you're welcome to do that, and they'll be taken care of there. There's, they'll have activities and games and songs for them while you continue to worship with us. And so... Uh, whether it's during communion, whether it's during our time in the Word, whenever it is, if we're singing songs, whatever it is, if you want to go right across our lobby to the children's check-in area, uh, you can take your kids there and they'll be taken care of um, while you continue to worship in here. If you want to keep your kids with you, you're more than welcome to do that. If it would help, uh, we have activity bags available also at our children's check-in desk, uh, and those have coloring sheets and other things in them. Uh, to keep your kids engaged while you continue to engage in worship. And so feel free to go grab one of those if that would help your family today. I'm glad to be worshiping with you this morning. We got a lot of things going on uh, with our church family today. Uh, after worship this morning, we'll mention this again at the end of our worship time, but after our worship this morning is uh, our, our, I guess, annual, although we haven't done it in a few years because of COVID and stuff, uh, but it's, it's our Super Sunday, and we're having a soup lunch uh, as soon as we're done with our worship today. So um, if you were planning to stay with us, awesome. I hope you brought some soup. I hope you brought some people with you. I hope you at least brought a spoon. If not, we got one for you. We're going to eat soup together. And uh, if you had other lunch plans, cancel them. If you're supposed to meet somebody else, tell them to meet you here because we're going to eat soup together as soon as worship's over with today. Uh, and then um, also uh, later on today, I mean, obviously the big game. I don't even know if you're allowed to say Super Bowl in public, are you? That's. I, I think I might. Be breaking copyright laws just by saying that. But the big game is today. Um, but a big game for our church family is also today. You know, from one to three today. I think, let me double check. I think the bulletin might have the wrong time. Yeah. So the, the annual uh, toilet bowl for our teenagers is today, where the teenagers take on the adults. Look, this is the stand up, Brandon, show it to everybody. See that giant plaque right there? That could be yours, or it could stay stay with the reigning champions, the teenagers. Who won, uh, who won it last year. So if you want to be a part of that, just note in your bulletins that's the wrong time. It starts at 1 o'clock today, right, Brandon? Not 2 o'clock, it's at 1 o'clock, so I wanted you to be aware of that. So lots of big things happening today uh, for our church family. But one important thing uh, that we want to start with uh, here at the beginning of our worship times is, is today we're going to take a few minutes to, um, to thank God for and to dedicate uh, the babies who were born into our church family in the year 2022, just this last year. And so we're going to do that uh, to start off our worship time this morning. So what I'd like to ask right now is that any of our shepherds um, and their wives who are in town, because we had one is sick, one's out of town. We, anyway, y'all come on up, you and your, and your spouses, please. And I'm not sure if my wife Christy is in here, but she can come up if she's here. She may be over in the children's area. There you are. I didn't see you. Y'all come on up. And what we're going to do is call um, each, we're going to have each kid walk up here. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? These, <laughs> these little babies. Um, we're going to call the kids' names and, and their parents, and their parents are going to come up here on the stage so you can see them. And we're going to uh, pronounce a blessing over them and pray over them uh, and, and ask God to bless these families. So we'll start off, I'm just doing this in alphabetical order. So uh, we have Thaden Dodd, who is the son of the son of Brandon and Morgan Dodd. We have Maya Jackson, the daughter of Luke and Ashley Jackson. We have Elliot Pilgrim, the daughter of Rachel Pilgrim, and we have Joey Rodriguez, the son of Tim and Jessica Rodriguez. And I'm so glad uh, these parents also had, you know, siblings come up on the stage too. You get to see all these families. And if I'm not mistaken, Joey is going to have some siblings this year because Jessica's already pregnant with twins. So I love that these families are single-handedly trying to bolster the numbers in our children's program. That's awesome. As, as, as these families stand before you this morning, I want to remind you, I want to remind them that uh, how precious their kids are to God. Psalm 139 verses 13 through 16 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And I want you guys to know, I want all of us to know, we're handcrafted creations of the king of the universe. And these little babies are precious to our God as, as, as much as they are to their parents. And I hope they always have a sense of that. But also just these families. I believe, I, and our church family believes, that God put these families together for a reason and for a purpose. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, God tells his people, you're a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. And I believe that that as God is talking to his people, Israel, in that context, he he could be saying the same thing to these families today, that God put these families together as his special treasure for a special purpose. Whatever that is, God's going to reveal it to them. But I hope they sense that, and I hope you guys um, try to fulfill that in your parenting and your families together. So I want I our church family together to, to um, bless these families, and then uh, Tom Smith, one of our shepherds, is going to pray over these families together. On behalf of the Flagstone family, to these sweet children, may the Lord bless you today. May you come to know how much the Lord loves you May you grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and in favor with mankind. May you choose to honor your father and mother in the Lord. May you learn to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine on you. And to these moms and dads today, on behalf of the Flagstone family, may the Lord bless you today. May you know how much the Lord loves you and your children. May you discover how much this church family loves you and your children. May you have the wisdom to raise your children in the training and instruction of the Lord. May your homes be filled with warmth and love. And may you be blessed with a wonderful future together. The Lord bless you and keep you and give you peace. Tom?
2: Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we we thank you for letting us all be here this morning, Father. We just want to, as we are <coughs> dedicating our our youth and our uh, families that are raising these youth, Father, we we're asking for your guidance. We're asking that you help us all understand that we're here to glorify you and honor you and help these families uh, to raise their kids to glorify and glorify you and honor you, uh, Father. We understand. Uh, what uh, is presented in the world and we also understand uh, that we're here to help each other and father we all love you and as we have these families grow uh, we, we desire to uh, one help you protect them help you guide them uh, and help you serve them and father just uh, just let us uh, uh, be there for each other and all these things we ask in your son's name amen
1: y'all did good <laughs> let's have one more one more hand for these awesome families. We are, I I didn't, we didn't hand it to them when they walked in, but Andrea uh, Jensen, who uh, is in charge of our children's ministry, has given these families each a gift, has a little Bible for toddlers and a uh, book for our parents, and uh, so we're, we're blessing them with that today as well. Speaking of which, we have an opportunity... For All of our church family to be involved in, in helping to raise these kids by volunteering for our children's ministry. Isn't that right, Andrea? We want to, We want volunteers, right? You can be a part of raising these kids. Uh, in, in their faith, and so uh, we'll have clipboards out in the lobby as soon as we're done our worship time today, and you can you can jump into our children's ministry and be a part of what we got going on here with the Flagstone family. Thank you for sharing that time with us this morning, Jordan. Our praise team, we're going to get us uh, get us ready to worship our God together. Let's get on our feet. Let's let's worship God.
0: Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship His holy. Right now
2: Good morning. There was a professor at Harding that I looked up to, um, and he he asked this question, uh, and it was when when did Jesus know who Jesus was? And it was it was one of those questions where like. Pfft, Well, you know, I mean, he's God, he would know. Um, But he would just kind of let you sit on that question for a little bit of, well, Jesus was 100% God and 100% human. So as a, as a wee baby in the manger, did the baby Jesus know, I am, I am God. And you ask these questions and you wonder, you gotta, you gotta wonder at what, at what moment, you know, there's these stories about Jesus whenever he was, an 11 year old, and then we skip all the way to whenever Jesus is, is 30. And one of the very first things that Jesus has to go through is a temptation. Where, what are, what, are, what are the things that Satan says to him? He says, If you are the Son of God, do this. If you're really the Son of God, do this. I wonder how, if, if Jesus wondered. I don't know. In the end, When Jesus was doing his ministry, he knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly his mission. He knew exactly what he had to do. He knew the path that he had to take to get there. And he knew us to our core as well. And he went through a horrific sacrifice to ensure that we could be with him someday. Uh, Today, as Marshall is working through, you know, relationships and, you know, at our core, not not allowing others to affect our self-esteem, And at our core, knowing who we are, called by God, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You know, Jesus, he knew who he was and he knew what his mission was. and He didn't let anybody tell him different. He didn't let anybody uh, plant seeds of doubt in who he was. And at the very end of the Bible, uh, we see who, at the core, who Jesus really is in Revelation chapter 5. It says this, uh, one of the elders said to me, this is Revelation 5, 5. One of the elders said to me, don't weep. See, look at the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He has triumphed. And then whenever John looks, he sees a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne. And both of those are true. Our God is a roaring triumphant triumphant lion that laid himself down as a lamb standing at the throne that's who he is at our core at his core and he has made something great for us too and at our core we are made in the image of God it's beautiful and we're able to do that because of the sacrifice that he made this slain lamb let's pray for the bread Father, thank you for your sacrifice, that you and your perfection, you, you offered all of that up. You and your omnipotence, you offered all of that up and became something that's finite, and you were willing to die for us. And God, we're eternally grateful for the sacrifice that you made for us. The lion roaring and defeating death was also a lamb that was willing to be slain. Father, thank you for allowing your body to be broken and your blood to be spilled. Pray for the cup. Father, we're grateful for uh, your son that you sent, for his blood to be spilled, a blood that washes us clean, that washes us white as snow. And although we may think of ourselves as broken, empty, ugly, uh, torn apart, God, your blood changes us and makes us new, makes us clean, makes us holy and perfect in your sight. I thank you for your son that died for us. It's in your name we pray, amen.
0: I have
1: You ever, um, I don't even want to do show of hands, just just think to yourself, you ever had one of those times where where somebody said something or did something, uh, said something to you, said something about you, did something to you, that just made you feel bad about yourself? And not just, I mean, sometimes people say things or do things that just make us feel bad, but truly feel like I'm not good at blank or I'm not a good person, or I'm not worth all that much, I would venture to guess that most of us have had situations like that. Now, a lot of us have, you know, the, the skills, the ability uh, to, to, you know, dismiss those things or, or work past them, move past them, kind of brush those things off, but sometimes it's, it can be pretty hurtful, and sometimes those things stick with us. And we, we have situations like that. I mean, I've, I've shared uh, with this church family before you know, that I had, a, I had a basketball coach when I was in junior high that told me to stop shooting the ball that I wasn't a shooter. So you know what? The rest of my junior high and high school career, never shot the ball. Why? Because he told me I wasn't a shooter. And it, it made me feel like I'm not good at shooting the basketball. I've, I fulfilled what it was that he said about me because it made me feel bad. That's just one example. I mean, there's other, there's other times that people have said something to me or said something about me, and it just makes me feel like, man, I just, I'm really not worth that much, at least not in that person's eyes. And I hate to say this, but I'll confess to you, I've made other people feel that way too. I've said things to people and, and been really hurtful. And honestly, sometimes probably intentionally because it was going to get a good laugh. Or it's going to make me more popular. Or it's going to make people like me more at the expense of somebody else. You ever been there? I bet a lot of us have. We started talking last week about red flags. We started talking about these warning signs that we encounter in in uh, at, at different times in our lives for a variety of different reasons. We see something, and that's a red flag. That's a warning that we shouldn't do that anymore. We shouldn't go that direction. We shouldn't be around those people. We shouldn't try that food. And I probably need to clarify. Um, uh, I, I went back and, and watched a little bit of last week's uh, worship time to make sure that I said things correctly because I had a couple of people, um, you know, just kind of bring up my how I saw certain people in certain categories Uh, as red flags and I want to clarify that I said this was on the internet and people on the internet said to watch out for these people for example you know Reagan got up at the end of worship last week and said well me and my family we're we are we wear Crocs we're a croc wearing family I didn't say that you should not be around Reagan Price and his family I just said people on the internet say croc wearers that's a red flag croc wearers for all sorts of occasions I guess I should say I've also been uh, challenged with with speaking up about pineapple on pizza. I am not against people who um, put pineapple on pizza. I have indulged in that food myself. I'm not against it. Although some of you are and think those people should be punished severely for doing that. (laughs) But we have these warning signs, these red flags, right? We started talking about that last week. And not just about people, but about, about situation in our lives. And, and specifically about relationships. When, you know, where there's a family relationship, somebody that I'm dating, my spouse, a coworker, a neighbor, a friend. If there's things that are happening in this particular relationship that are, are negative or could potentially cause problems, I need to pay attention to the warning signs so that I can deal with that in that relationship in a healthy way. Or I can at least be prepared to do something different, maybe even be done with that relationship so that I can take care of, of my mental and, and emotional health as well. So we started talking about that last week. What are some of the warning signs that we see in relationships and how do we deal with some of those? And we're going to be a little bit more specific today and talk about the red flag. The, what, the, the red flag, it's, it's too long a word but, or too long a phrase, but I couldn't think of a way to condense it down. When, I, when someone is hurting my self-esteem, when someone is damaging the way I see, the way I view myself, when someone that I'm in a relationship with is doing that, whether that's a family member, whether that's a a friend, a co-worker, when, when someone else is hurting the way I see me and the way I view myself, that's a red flag. Now, I want to clarify a little more on this. I'm talking about somebody that does this on a consistent basis. Someone who I am in in connection with, who is consistently saying things and doing things and treating me in certain ways that cause me to feel less about myself and view myself as, as, as to be more insignificant, less important, less valued than other people. That's a red flag. That's a warning sign that something is wrong with this relationship, that something needs to be addressed. And if this person is consistently treating me bad or saying, saying negative things to me and causing me to feel less valued, that's a warning sign. And for some, maybe most of us that are sitting here, when you hear me say that, you're probably like, well, duh, yeah, it is. That's a warning sign. That's a red flag. Somebody makes me feel bad, red flag, might want to do something about that relationship. It seems like common sense. And yet so many of us, myself included, will choose to ignore that red flag. We'll choose to pretend that it's not there, or we'll choose to pretend that it's not that big a deal, or we'll even justify and say, ah, that's just the way they are, ah, that's just the way they've always been, that's just how they act, those are just the things that they say, and we justify it, and we rationalize, and we dismiss it. And just like a red flag in life, if somebody is warning you, hey, there's a train coming with a red flag, and you say, ah, that's not that big a deal, that's going to be a problem when you try to go across the tracks. Same thing in our relationships. When someone has consistently caused me to feel less valued, and I try to dismiss that and say it's not that big a deal, there's going to end up being a problem. When we're talking about when we're talking about this, you know, this red flag, what should I be looking for? How how does this person cause me to feel less valued? There's a variety of ways that that happens, and some of the more common ones are just are, for example, insults. If my friend is constantly insulting me, talking about, I don't know, talking about my weight or how I look or my job performance or my lack of intelligence or or whatever it is, to the point that I start actually believing them and seeing myself through those comments, that's a red flag. If, If my spouse is constantly insulting me, especially in front of other people, that's a red flag. If this person that I'm, that I'm friends with is in the habit of saying hurtful things to me and then quickly following it up with, ah, I was just kidding. I was only joking. God, don't make such a big deal out of it. It's a red flag. When I hear those comments, when I hear them enough, those negative things about me, it has an effect on how I begin to view myself. I start to buy into that perception. I start to believe those things Um, about myself I start having self-doubt and I start becoming whatever it is that you say that I am and if I'm in a relationship with someone whose whose words are changing the way I feel about myself someone who's constantly saying negative things to me or about me and it's changed the way I feel about myself something needs to be addressed that's a warning sign that's a red flag in that relationship another red flag is is passive aggressiveness attacking someone but in a, in a non-aggressive way, almost in a, in a backhanded way. And this can happen in a couple of different ways. But instead of, instead of, if we're going to have a confrontation, if we're going to have an argument about something, if we're just disagreeing on something, then a passive-aggressive person will handle that conflict instead of having the actual conversation, the confrontation face-to-face, will either do one of one two things. One thing is they do silent treatment. And when you say what's wrong, or let's talk about this, no, nothing's fine. Everything's fine. What's wrong? Nothing. Something, you know? Uh, but as long as they don't talk about it, then you just have to sit there and wonder what the problem is. And then you start feeling bad about yourself because you feel like you should know what it is, but you don't know. It's a red flag. Or they can make comments like this Huh, you actually loaded the dishwasher. I'm surprised. Some of you are laughing because that probably got said within the last couple of weeks. You actually look good for a change. Oh, that got some more reaction there. Okay, well, uh, Valentine's Day is in two days. Don't use that comment, just so you know. Mark that one off. But we make backhanded, someone makes a backhanded comment. It's, it's almost like a compliment, but it's got something negative attached to it. And you hear those things enough. And you start to feel like you are a failure. You do mess up. You don't look good. You always make mistakes. You never quite measure up. And you start to buy into those things. You start to believe those things about yourself. And when someone is constantly being passive aggressive towards you in this relationship, someone's doing that on a consistent basis, that's a red flag. Something might need to be different in that relationship. Guilt trips, kind of similar to passive-aggressive, but a little bit different. It's not just insults or negative comments, it's not just kind of backhanded comments. But this is a person who keeps, who keeps literally bringing up my past failures, who keeps, who keeps uh, bringing up the, the, the mistakes that I've made and won't let go of them and won't let me forget about them. It could also be somebody who just keeps score. Yeah, I, okay, I made mistakes, but you remember what you did that one time at that one place with those one people, and they may even have it down to the date and what you're wearing in the moment that it happened, but they won't let go of it. They're going to make you feel bad about it. Or they bring up things and say, you know, okay, you did this, but this is what I've done for you. You owe me. And that can happen in friendships. It can happen with coworkers. It can happen in our families and our marriages. And these kinds of comments, these kinds of actions, they obviously cause me to make, they, they cause me to feel bad about myself, and to feel like I don't measure up, but it goes so far to, to make me feel like I won't ever be able to measure up, because you're not going to let go of it. You're going to keep bringing these things up, and even if you stop bringing them up, I'm convinced that you're going to keep them in the back of your mind, and I just feel bad because I, I've got all these failures. I got this list of things that I've of These mistakes I made, the things I've done wrong. And I, I, I keep focusing on that to the point that that's just who I am. Now I'm a failure. I'm a bad co-worker. I'm a bad friend. I'm a bad kid. I'm a bad parent. I don't measure up as a spouse. And if I'm already battling feelings of constant failure, this just starts to make things worse. So if my spouse or the person I'm dating or, or, you know, someone that I'm friends with or coworkers with is consistently trying to make me feel bad about past failures, that's a red flag. That's a warning sign. Something needs to be different. Something needs to be addressed. And these are just some of the ways that we can do this in just, in just how we affect each other in, in the way that we feel about ourselves, the way that we see ourselves. And the damage can be long-lasting. The damage to our self-esteem can be long-lasting. I need to pay attention to the words that I use and how I treat the people that I'm connected to and in relationships with. And I need to pay attention to how those people are treating me and what their words and their actions towards me are causing me to see about myself. And how those things are causing me to, to view myself. But when I see that warning sign, when I see that red flag, when I recognize, man, when I am around this person, when they're talking to me, or when they're talking about me, and but I can hear them, I'm across the room, but I know, I can hear what they're saying, and every time that I'm having that interaction, I feel worse about me. That's a red flag. Okay, I see it. What do I do about it? Because, again, so many of us recognize it. We see it. We recognize the effect that it's having on us, but we choose to ignore it. We choose to justify it. We choose to just put our head down and go, well, that's just the way it's going to be. And we keep moving forward and staying connected in that same relationship, and nothing ever changes. So what do we do? And it takes more. I want to give you some action steps this morning because I want us to understand. It takes more than just telling myself or allowing somebody else to tell me, I just get over it. You'll be fine. And yet that's what I try to convince myself of a lot of times. It's it's my fault. I just need to be the one to get over it. No, there's more to it than that. So when I see these red flags, when I understand this person that I'm in this relationship is making me feel bad about me, what do I do? First thing I need to do is I need to remember my God-given value. And I want to repeat that. I need to remember my God-given value. This is not the value that other people put on me. This is not the value that I put on myself. This is the value that God gives me. And when we're talking about value, we're talking about more than just what the price tag is. We're talking about how much it means to a person, how how much it's worth to that particular person. You have things in your life that are very valuable to you that probably wouldn't be as valuable to me. And I've got things that are worth a lot to me that wouldn't be mean that much to you. I have, if you've ever been in my office, I have a chunk of concrete sitting on one of the shelves of my office, just a broken piece off a cinder block that in reality, if you were going to try to sell that, you know, get somebody to buy it, I don't know if it'd be worth a penny. It's just a chunk of broken concrete. But I remember the the teenage retreat that I was at when I got that I remember the people who were there and I remember the things that were shared and I remember the 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 hearts to hearts conversations that we had that chunk of concrete is precious to me so I'm the one that gives it value does that make sense It's mine, and it means something to me, even if it doesn't to you. I have given it worth. I have given it value. That is what I mean when I talk about our God-given value. And no matter what anybody else thinks of me, or even sometimes what I think of myself, my God considers me to be precious, to be worth so much. I mean, as we read this morning, as we had these babies up here and we're talking about how precious these babies are to our God, that applies to all of us. When David in Psalm 139 says, you knit me together, you put me together, he's an adult saying those things and recognizing how precious he is to God because God crafted him in the womb. Jesus says in John chapter 3 and verse 16, God loved this world so much that he gave his one and only son for all of us. You mean so much to God that he sent his one and only son to the cross to die for you. How much worth do you have in God's eyes? How valuable are you? If he's willing to give that in payment for you. And and, and besides those two things, if, if that's not enough, look at what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. He says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God's special possession, God's prized possession. I belong to the king of the universe. My God looks at me with all my flaws and all the things I, all the mistakes I've made and the things that I even try to hide and the things I'm disappointed with about myself. And God looks at me in the middle of all this mess and says, That one's mine. And I am so proud. And He does the same thing for you. We have God given, God determined value. And I need to constantly remind myself of that. I am precious to him. And I don't ever need to forget that. No matter what anybody else says, no matter what anybody else does, no matter how anybody else tries to make me feel, I have value, I have worth to the creator of all things. And that means everything. So I need to remember my God-given value. The second thing I need to do is I need to actually communicate with this person how it is they're making me feel. We talked about this a little bit last week, so I won't spend a whole lot of time here today. But I may need to use my words. I may need to have a conversation with this person that I'm dating. I may need to have a conversation with my, with my spouse. I may need to actually say something to my parents. I may need to say something, uh, you know, to my kids, to, to this friend, this coworker, this person that's hurting my self-esteem. I actually need to talk about it, but not in a criticizing way, not to walk up to them and go, you jerk, you're making me feel bad. That's not going to help things, even though that's my, that might honestly be our initial reaction. But to have a conversation, to communicate to this person, hey, these are the things that you said or are saying, and this is how that makes me feel. These are the things that that you're doing, and here's what I'm feeling about myself because of that. And quite honestly, there might be some people that have no idea that, that they're having that kind of effect on you until you say something about it. They, it may not even be intentional. It may not even be on purpose. But they may be doing some things that are, are having an impact on me, and I need to be able to communicate that with them. Or it may be intentional, and that may be an issue that needs to be resolved. I need to talk about it with them. This is how you're making me feel, whether you're intending to or not. This is, I'm hurting because of this. Jesus told his followers in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. Go talk to that person. You have hurt me. Maybe you meant to, maybe you didn't. Let's talk about that. But something needs to be different. And if they listen, Jesus says, awesome, great. Now you have this deeper connection. If not, okay. May need to address it. May need to be done with this relationship. But I can't It's healthy for me and for them to talk about it. And then I may need to set some healthy boundaries. I may not be able to actually be in this relationship with this person anymore. Or I may continue to stay connected to them. I may stay in that relationship, but there may be some boundaries uh, that that I set up as a part of that relationship. When we're talking about setting boundaries. We're talking about... I'm defining for myself what I am comfortable with and and how I want to be treated. And again, maybe that's part of the communication. Maybe that's part of the conversation that I have with this person. That here's how I'm going to have to be in this relationship from now on. Here's what our interaction is going to need to be like, at least for a while. Because of what's been happening in the past. But it's me choosing to recognize what kinds of interactions that particular person is it causes me to feel bad about myself and then choosing to keep myself from being put in those situations. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12, Paul says this, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. And in the context that he's talking about, he's, he's quoting the people in the church that he's writing to who are saying, Well, I got permission to do whatever I want. I can say what I want. I can go where I want. I can do anything that I want because I'm a Christian and, and Jesus uh, forgives me anyway. And he says, Well, that might be, might be true, that might not be beneficial he says, you might even want to get into some different habits because you think, well, it's no big deal because Christ is going to forgive me. I've got grace and it's, it's no problem. And, and Paul says, that's not that doesn't need to be the case because you can be mastered by whatever those things are that you're going to dabble in. Now, I'm not going to be mastered by anything. And I share that verse with you this morning because I think some of us allow ourselves to be mastered by the negative comments and the negative feelings that this other person person is is producing in us we allow ourselves to be mastered by the picture that they create of us and it becomes part of our self-esteem and how we view ourselves and i need to set some boundaries i need to keep myself from being put in those hurtful situations so that i am not mastered by their negative perception of me which becomes my negative perception of me I'm not going to allow myself to be controlled by the hurt. I'm not going to allow myself to be controlled by the negative perception I have of myself. So, we may just need to change this connection. We may need to be done with this relationship. But I need to put some healthy boundaries in place. So, I'm not allowing myself to be mastered and controlled by the hurt anymore. Another thing that I need to do is resist the temptation to retaliate. Resist the temptation to retaliate. I need to resist the urge for payback. I need to keep from buying into the concept that they deserve for me to treat them the way they have been treating me. To say to them the same kind of things they say to me. To do to them the same kind of things that they have done to me. They make me feel bad, fine, I'm going to make them feel bad. They say awful things to me, I'm going to say awful things to them. They say awful things about me to other people, you're not going to believe what I'm going to say about them. And we have this, we have this desire, we have this urge, and it's such an easy trap for us to fall into. Satan convinces us that we have every right to do that. That they deserve for us to treat them that way because of how they treated us, because of the things that they have said to us. But there's some problems with that. The first thing is, I never get even with my retaliation. Anytime that I try to get back at someone, anytime that I try to pay back someone what they did to me, I always go a step further. I always make it worse. Which makes them retaliate back, which makes me retaliate back, and it, just, it keeps escalating from there. I never get completely even. I run the risk of feeling worse than I already do because now I feel guilty. I already feel bad because of how they treated me, and then I try to retaliate, and then I feel even worse because now I feel guilty for trying to retaliate. And above all things, this is not the heart or the actions that God calls us to. But some of us have a skewed perception of what Jesus says, in, in Luke chapter 6, what we commonly refer to as the golden rule. In Luke 6 verse 31, do to others as they do to you. Do to others as they did to you. Check your Bibles, check your Bible apps. That's not correct, okay? But that's how we read it. That's the lens that we view that verse through. On a regular basis. They did something to me, so I'm going to do something to them. They said something to me, so I'm going to say something to them. They made me feel bad about myself. I'm going to figure out a way to make them feel bad too. Do to others what they did to you. It's not what it says. What does it actually say? Do unto others as you would have them do to you. I want to treat this person the way I wish that they would have treated me even if they didn't treat me that way. I want to treat this person the way they need to be treated even if they don't treat me that way. That's what we're called to. That's the kind of heart we're supposed to have. That's the kind of attitude we're supposed to long for and try to implement in our lives. Those are the kind of actions we're supposed to take. I'm, going to, I'm, I'm not going to pay you back in the same way that you pay me. I'm not going to make negative comments. I'm not going to try to make you feel bad or feel guilty or hurt your self-esteem. Even if you never do that for me, I'm not going to do that to you. I'm going to treat you with grace and compassion and love. Even if you don't deserve it. Why? Because you need it. That's what God calls me to. i want to give people what they need not what they deserve that's what he does for me and that's what i need to do for others we have these red flags these warning signs that this person this that i'm in this relationship with this friend of mine this person i'm dating my spouse my sibling whoever that person is consistently making me feel bad about myself that's a problem it needs to be addressed And as a part of doing that, I need to remember, first of all, my value, my God-given value. I need to communicate with them how they're making me feel. I need to set some boundaries. I need to resist the urge to get even. That'll help. I'm not saying it'll cure everything. I'm not saying it's an immediate fix. But if I will commit to these steps in this relationship, it's going to help. It's going to help that relationship be healthy or it's going to provide me a healthy way to walk away from that relationship. But it's also going to help me continue to recognize who I am in a positive way and recognize my value to my God and live my life through that lens instead of how this other person views me. I need to wrap up. I was... This week I've been trying to think of a story to kind of demonstrate what it looks like when we are being hurt by other people in regards to our self-esteem. And the story that I kept coming back to over and over is the story of Zacchaeus. And we've talked about it before again in this church family, but it's in Luke chapter 19. We're not going to read it verse by verse, but you can look it up if you want to. In the book of Luke in chapter 19, there's this guy named Zacchaeus, and he is a tax collector. He is a tax collector for the Roman government living in the middle of a Jewish society. So automatically, all his fellow Jewish neighbors and friends hate him because he's collecting taxes for the oppressive Romans who have taken over the land of the Jewish people. They already can't stand the guy for that reason. We also find out that Zacchaeus is short. We don't know how short, because I don't think the people that lived back in that time were just all that tall. But he was even shorter than that. So you got a guy who is already hated because of his job, and he's already short. What kind of comments do you think he got? How do you think people treated him? Probably pretty negatively. You can only imagine the kind of comments that people made to him about his job and about the money he was collecting and the kind of comments that they made about his height and how much they made fun of him. And you can only imagine the kind of impact that that had on Zacchaeus. My guess is Zacchaeus probably retaliated. Matter of fact, I know he did in one way. He overcharged people, their taxes. He cheated them. He lied to them. He stole from them and and profited from that. Probably built a big house for himself, collected a whole bunch of money that didn't belong to him, but he got to keep it anyway because he was working for the Roman government and nobody can do anything about it. That'll show him. Don't you know the comments got worse? Don't you know that the way that he got treated got even worse? People just didn't like him. They said awful things about him. They said awful things to him. They never invited him into their homes. They never had anything to do with him. I mean, Zacchaeus is living a life filled with just negative thoughts about who he was, about his own value. And he tried to increase his own value in his own mind, his own self-esteem in his own mind by Gaining more wealth by gaining more power by mistreating people and showing his power over them, flexing his muscles over them. They're going to make fun of his height. He's going to show how big he really is. He's going to charge them in more taxes. He's going to get them in trouble. He's going to report them to the soldiers and say they didn't pay their taxes. There's all sorts of ways that Zacchaeus probably retaliated against these people because he felt bad about himself. And here's the, this guy, Jesus, is coming. And this guy, Jesus, is saying all these amazing things. He's performing these miracles. And he's, he's, he's connecting with kind of the lowlifes in society. I mean, he's even talking to other tax collectors, from what I heard. He's interacting with them. And, and he's, he's healing people that you shouldn't even be around. He's eating supper with sinners. And, man, I want to see this guy. And Jesus is coming to town, and I want to see him. But Zacchaeus has such a negative concept of himself. That he doesn't want to be in the crowd with everybody else when Jesus comes by. So what does he do? Climbs up in a tree. A tree with really big thick leaves so nobody can see him. Because he just wants to see Jesus. He doesn't want to hear the comments from the people in the crowd. What are you doing here, Zacchaeus? You don't deserve to be here. Go home. Nobody wants you here anyway hey, shorty, hey, shrimp, need a front row seat? Because you can't see over any of us, can you? And all the negative things that Zacchaeus feels about himself, he doesn't want to experience it. He's already experienced it from all these people. He doesn't want to experience it in that moment. And Jesus comes walking by while he's hiding in the tree. And he sees him. It's, it's Jesus. It's this guy that they've been talking about. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops. Oh, no. I've got to be real still and real quiet. And then Jesus looks up in the tree. Oh, no. He's looking up here. And then Jesus pointing and calling him by name. Zacchaeus. Can't you imagine the crowd? <laughs> Zacchaeus. Oh, my gosh. Don't you know the comments just started flying? Look at him up there in the tree. That's the tallest he's ever been. That's the highest height he's ever reached. And just all the comments would come. What, you might as well stay up in that tree. Don't come down here with the rest of us. And I mean, just... Everything that Zacchaeus felt about himself was now in the spotlight because Jesus points him out. But then what does Jesus do? He says, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to go to your house. Now, if the rabbi comes to town, it was a huge honor in the eyes of the rest of the town for the rabbi to go eat at whoever's house he chose to eat at. And Jesus in that moment tears away all this negativity, all the negative comments, all the the negative physical features, all the failures, all the hurts that he's caused other people, all the ways they've retaliated against him, all the hate that he feels, all the anger that he feels, all the sorrow that he feels, and the guilt that he feels. Jesus peels through all that and says, I, I value you. I want to eat with you. I want us to be connected. Can you imagine how quickly he jumped down out of that tree? A man who probably didn't feel like he deserved to be there in the first place. Now gets this one-on-one interaction with Jesus because Jesus gave him value. Jesus helped him feel loved. And after that, Zacchaeus decides he's going to try to make other people feel as good as Jesus made him feel. He seeks forgiveness for all the people that he's hurt. He, he promises to take all the money that he's ripped off of people and give it back. As a matter of fact, pay them more than what he took from them. And in just in just a moment of Jesus helping Zacchaeus see himself through Jesus' eyes, it completely changed his life. And the reason I'm wrapping up with that story this morning, I am wrapping up, is because, first of all, I want any of us who are sitting in this room this morning, who are watching online right now, to know, to know if, you've, if you never knew or if you forgot, I want you to know how precious you are to my Savior. I want you to know that to be true. Even if you don't, even if you're not sure that you actually believe in him, you are precious to him. Even if you feel like you don't deserve to be seen as someone who is precious and valuable, you are so worth it to him. But I also want you to know you have the opportunity Because you recognize your worth in his eyes. Because you you recognize in somebody else's eyes, a family member, a co-worker, spouse, child, how desperately that person needs to feel valued as well. You have the opportunity to change someone else's life today. So here in just a second, we're going to stand together and we're going to sing a song. And it's an invitation. It's It's an opportunity. If you feel if you are feeling right now in this moment like you're just full of guilt, less valuable, feeling bad about yourself because of your own mistakes or because of what other people have said to you or about you, you're welcome to come forward and share that with us this morning. Just come forward and share. Just, just as you are right now, this is who I am, and, and I, I need help to see myself through his eyes. I need forgiveness. I need grace. I need acceptance. We will help you find that and discover that today, this morning, right now. But I also want to challenge you to find opportunities. And maybe you need to start with the people that you're already connected to. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a co-worker. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a spouse. You need to start today changing their lives. Helping them see themselves through the eyes of Jesus. By the way you talk to them. By the way you treat them. And if we can help with that, we want to as well. If you have any need in your heart this morning, Please be willing to come share that with us. Just walk to the front and share it with us while together we stand and sing.
0: Just as I am.
1: A couple of folks come forward this morning um, just asking for strength, asking for prayers. Um, Carrie Campbell came forward and, and shared that uh, for the last almost year at her job, uh, it's just been a really negative atmosphere uh, and has caused her to consistently on a daily basis feel less about herself uh, to the, and, and less about her relationship with God. Uh, She was going through that, going through some health issues, and was just, I can say, blaming God, or at least questioning why she's going through some of that. And also questioning herself because of the environment that she was in. And to use her words, it broke her. And she's on a path now of restoration, of building back um, what was broken. But... She's still feeling empty and hurt, and and it's a journey. And um, so we're going to pray about that today, and ask God to to continue to heal her and and make her stronger. Uh, Crystal Guerrero also came forward. Um, she has uh, finalized um, her divorce from her husband, and um, not only feels guilty about that but uh, is having a lot of negative, negative interactions with her former in-laws and and uh, family members uh, her, who are attacking her verbally and emotionally and causing her to question herself um, as a Christian as a good mom uh, and so she's just really having some doubts about herself right now because of the way other people are are treating her. So we're going to pray about that. Uh, we're going to pray for those relationships to, to heal, or for her to be able to set up some boundaries to not allow those folks to hurt her anymore. Uh, and also for her to know what her value is to us and to her God. So we already got folks down here. If anybody else wants to come down and and uh, surround them with with love and connection while we pray for them, y'all can come on down, put a hand on them, or put a hand on somebody that's got a hand on them, and let's lift Carrie and Crystal up to the Father this morning. Let's pray. God Almighty, I mean, just the fact that, that we can call you Father, that we can come to you um, in the middle of what what's going on in our lives, and you stop to listen. You pay attention when your children are, are crying. And we are so in awe of that and so thankful for it. And so we we bring Carrie and Crystal before you right now. Uh, God, pray for for healing, uh, for Carrie, that you continue to heal her physical body, but also heal her heart. Uh, help her to to have a renewed sense of joy and peace, uh, and a renewed connection with you, and and a, a renewed outlook on her life. Um, thank you for the for the new situation that she's in with with her work and i pray that, that continues to be a blessing for her and god i just pray you continue to walk with her and help her to sense your presence and help her to sense how you have have actually been walking with her through these troubles over the last several months and have carried her through it and i pray that, that she would she would begin to be more deeply connected with you uh, once again and we'll pray for crystal this morning god we'll pray for um, Forgiveness for past mistakes, but for healing for her heart, God. For for you to for you to help her know how precious she is to you, how much value she has to you, how much she means to this church family, and how much she means to her kids. And God help help those things be the voices that she listens to. Help help those things be the, the, the lens that she views herself through. Help her to not question. Um, her, her talents help her not question who she is um, and, and her character and, and um, how much value she has God help her to know she is loved by her kids she's an awesome mom she's doing the best that she can in a difficult situation and she is loved help her to know those things and not doubt those things and help us as a church family to help her know those things about herself as well. Help us to surround these two women with love and support and connection and any help that we can. God, help us all to leave here today with a sense of, of your presence in our lives and a sense of how much we mean to you. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, Ken Shoemate going to share something with us and close us with a prayer in just a second. I do want to remind everybody about our, our soup lunch today. I know that's an odd transition from what we've just been <laughs> talking about. Uh, but we are having lunch today. And as soon as our worship time is done, uh, if you go down the hallway right where the restrooms are right here and keep walking, you come into the kitchen, there's a whole bunch of soup in there. And just grab a bowl, grab a spoon, and head into the hub. And there's tables and chairs set up for, for us to eat together. I've been told that there's also um, there's pizza and Uncrustables for your kids uh, who may not want soup. And I've been asked to make sure that at least initially, it's only the kids that get the pizza and the Uncrustables, okay? After everybody's gone through it, there's more there, help yourself. But we'll start out with them uh, for the, the first part of that. And to remind you, any adults that want to take on our teenagers in the toilet bowl today, Veterans Park on the east side of Rogers at 1 o'clock, we'd love to see you there. Ken?
3: You know when we think about outreach at uh, Flagstone, many times we have to seek out opportunities to serve and sometimes they just show up in our home on the evening news uh, like has happened this past week. You probably have heard that um, the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria have caused an unbelievable number of fatalities and we're told that there may be five times that many injured and over a hundred times that many people um, that are homeless and the temperatures there this week are going to be about 20 degrees in the morning in the 20s so it's a pretty dire circumstance the elders have approved a goal of five thousand dollars for us to send to missionaries in Turkey that have told us that money is what they really need because we could collect first aid kits and blankets and things like that. It would take months if they ever got there. Uh, They know what they need and they can acquire them themselves if we will just help fund that. So for this week and next week, we're going to focus on a special contribution for them And I want to tell you about that in your bulletin. In the bottom right-hand corner is a paragraph about this. And there's a QR code there. And if you scan that with your phone and give with that QR code, the office is going to know that that's a contribution toward turkey relief. The other thing you can do is use the One Church app uh, on your phone and on the home screen there's a Give Now button and as you work your way through that uh, little process there's a drop down that allows you to specify earthquake relief so the office will know about that as well. If you want to give just by text on your phone there's instructions in this paragraph on your bulletin about how to do that and you can always give by check or by cash at the little baskets that are in the lobby. And if you're giving by check, write something in the memo line like relief or turkey or earthquake or something like that so we will know how to designate that. Um, if you're not ready to give today, prepare and, and give next week. And of course, if you're using uh, the apps, you can do that any day, not, not just just today. So thanks in advance for that, and any amount that we, that we uh, collect beyond the $5,000 goal, we're going to send all of it uh, to Turkey, and they'll get that in a, just a number of days. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer, uh, our last prayer of worship, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, uh, give a thanks for the meal, and uh, would you join me in that, and then we'll have a, a closing song. God, we're grateful for you being our provider and our our hope and our confidence in what's going to happen after we keep time on this earth. We, We honor you and praise your name. We're thoughtful about all those Christians and otherwise that have suffered from this earthquake and that are grieving or injured, homeless, or just lost. And help us to have the mercy of Christ as we think about those people. On almost the opposite end, here we are in comfort and warmth. And we're going to be able to enjoy a meal and have a lot of fun together this afternoon. And we're so grateful for that. And later this afternoon, millions of people around the world are going to be watching TV And our prayer today is that they will notice during that three hours, the players and the coaches that are praying, that the victors at the end of the game are going to give you glory, and that people are going to see some ads saying that Jesus knows us really well. And... We ask your Holy Spirit to move in on all those people and all those experiences that minds will be opened, hearts will be touched, and that all the praise goes to you. And we say and ask these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, amen.
1: All right. Hey, before we go, it's not in the bulletin, but I did want to say, y'all know
0: that I sit on the board for Green Valley Bible Camp, and we're going to have a work day for the camp probably early in March. So please put that
1: on your calendar so we can get some folks out there to help us clean it up. Also, I said it a few weeks ago, but I want to remind you because we still have a need for people to come and work this summer at camp, to be side-by-side side with our, our directors um, to keep the camp going. So if that's something
0: that you're interested in, please contact me and we'll get you hooked up. All right,
3: let's stand up, and we'll sing one more before we go have a little
0: soup. One thing we ask of you, one thing that we desire.